Welcome to The Lens, hosted by Catalysis, where we get a glimpse inside healthcare organizations that are transforming to a culture of improvement to deliver continually higher value outcomes for patients, staff, and communities. Visit createvalue.org slash the lens for more information about Catalysis. Thank you for tuning in to The Lens. I'm your host, Peter Mariahazi. Today, I'm joined by a panel of Catalysis faculty members, including Ted Toussaint, Adam Ward, and Pete Knox, to learn about new care model development. Ted has worked for eight years at the ground level of new care model development. He began at Atrius Health in Boston as a lean process improvement leader and shifted to care model design and developing the Atrius Center for Innovation. Currently, Ted coaches and consults on new care model development. Adam is a mechanical engineer and spent 16 years working in Fortune 500 R&D organizations, including Honda and GE Healthcare. Adam's deep understanding of lean product and process development and human-centered design translated to his last 10 years in healthcare delivery. Adam works in healthcare delivery across the country, including his previous work at Atrius Health. Pete worked for 37 years at Bell & Health in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and led the development of their total care system redesign. Pete's work is recognized for its world-class implementation of global population health strategy. Pete is working with healthcare internationally on new care model development. As you can see, each of our guests bring a, a unique background and perspective in new care model development. Ted, Adam, Pete, Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Ted, let's introduce our listeners to new care model development. What is it? How has the thinking in new care models evolved over time? Sure. So at its core, um, I guess how we're thinking about this is that new care model development is the design of new care models, uh, new models of care delivery, and design of those from the ground up so that they deliver a quantum shift in performance. And then those new care models are spread across health systems to become the new way of delivering care. And so we're kind of thinking of this as like doing R&D for healthcare delivery, but instead of a new product, we're talking about new care models. So the three of us and others are working to build a body of knowledge around how to do this in a reliable and repeatable way. And that involves bringing a team together and bringing that team through a design process to understand the patient experience deeper than we had before, um, reimagine what could be possible in the future, test out new ideas and create a model cell uh, for that care model and then spread and scale the, the care model across the system. So it's a little bit different from other improvement work in that uh, improvement work usually starts with existing processes or the existing care models and then focuses on removing waste uh, to improve those, whereas developing new care models is really starting from scratch and rethinking our assumptions about what value is and what the performances that we're looking for, and then creating something new off of that. So we believe that some of the old care models may be stuck in some old assumptions around value and performance, and that in those cases, developing new ones to replace them is really the best way to move forward. Thank you, Ted. That's a great summary. And can you give us an example of this work and what it kind of looks like? 
Sure. So I've, I've three examples. Uh, the first is I think, um, that comes to mind is the original collaborative care model that was created at DataCare um, and highlighted in On The Mend. And the team there completely redesigned the inpatient care for dramatically different results. And they used a 3P process, which is one type of a design process. And the challenges I've understood it there is that, that those results were breakthrough, but it was difficult for the leaders to repeat the process successfully in different areas. Um, they'd got the right people and process together for that uh, space, but um, there was no system that could be leveraged over and over and over again to create new care models. Um, so the second example is the organization I worked at, Atrius Health. Um, we were trying to understand that next piece. So how can we create a system for new care model innovation um, so we can continually create new care models? repeatedly. So this is uh, the question that Adam helped us explore. And we were able to pull a team and a process together. We uh, developed a home-based urgent care model uh, that was kind of adapting from community paramedicine to work with uh, visiting nurses and prevent unnecessary ER visits and hospitalizations for the frail elder population. And then that team went on to partner with an outside startup to develop Medically Home, which was a fully scaled hospital home model that replaces 30% of the inpatient hospital care by delivering it to uh, inpatients' homes at 70% of the cost of traditional care. So that's the second example. And the third example is, the is I think, a great example is the work that Pete led at Bellin. There they designed a totally new primary care model, which is probably one of the best implementations of team-based care in the world. And... Uh, so we've outlined some of the specifics of the results from that model in our white new white paper, but um, in essence, they were able to get 130 primary care providers working in a drastically different care model that shifted work to top of license and um, was able to leverage multiple different, uh, different members of the care team. So they went on to then apply that design process to other areas of their, uh, of their organization with specialty care and chronic conditions. Thank you, Ted. You know, Pete, there are many times, and, and these examples exemplify that, where we talk about the importance of systemic thinking. You've had success in systemic change and redesign of care models at Bell & Health. What are the key things that senior leader, leaders and others need to be thinking about to be successfully doing this kind of work in the system? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think... Um, not often understood how expansive the role of senior leaders is in, in this work and executing effectively. Um, and I broke this, I break this kind of into seven categories. And I would just like to run through them briefly. The first for me is uh, leaders create the culture and they create a culture of curiosity and exploration and they create a safe place for, their, for people to, to explore and uh, innovate and try things. I think this played out recently during the COVID crisis, for example, at the University of Massachusetts Health System, where they had on the ground hundreds of innovations occurring um, over the course of the crisis. One example was uh, when people were questioning, how are we going to deal with the overflow? Staff had a field hospital up in eight days. They took it upon themselves and they had a field hospital up in eight days and they were serving patients. Another example is at a community level. We work with uh, the city of Algoma 
And uh, the students, the students themselves and on their own, redesigned the at-risk program so that kids would be, who were at risk would be supported during, during this period of, of COVID crisis. Uh, so these were examples where people, staff on the ground took the initiative and innovated on their own, but that, there has to be a culture for that. You know, it doesn't just happen. And, and these things have to be celebrated and communicated and become part of the cultural identity. The second for me is uh, strategic alignment and deployment. We know uh, through the research that 75% of all strategies worldwide fail to get implemented successfully. Leaders need to structure and organize strategy, create focus for the organization, leverage people, um, and align people in the organization for success. And in strategic alignment and deployment, a lot happens, but one of the things that happens is that we focus on breakthrough initiatives, these bet the farm sort of initiatives. And there are only a couple of them that the organization can handle at any one point in time. And every breakthrough initiative has a portfolio of projects. And that portfolio of projects is going to include certainly operational excellence focus, but it, to me, it absolutely has to include innovation at the strategic level. And that has to be deployed and aligned and, a fo and focused within the organization. And leaders need to, to do that. The third for me is orga managing organizational energy. Energy is a precious commodity within, within organizations. When I was at Bellon, I looked at how many people came to our system every day for a service across our hospital, our clinics, our employers, our fitness centers, whatever. 9,000 people a day came for some sort of service in the system. You think about the energy it takes every day to serve 9,000 people in one way or another. That leaves very little energy to focus on uh, improvement and innovation. So every barrier, every obs obstacle, every delay is taking energy. Leaders need to harness energy and make sure that that energy is not wasted. And that's a big responsibility. I think one of the primary responsibilities of leaders in this work, harness energy and take advantage of the limited amount of energy that's available. The, the fourth is, it's Ted talked about this and we talk about it in our paper is spread and scale. Generally organizations don't understand this concept of spread and scale. We held international, or we had uh, hosted people from around the world in our symposiums on how to implement new care model design. A common theme people had was they would come and say, you know, I got a pilot up, but I just couldn't, I didn't have the lift to move it any further. And, and we failed. Well, what, what we felt, and I feel, is that people didn't understand this concept of spread and scale. What people are trying to do is advance new design, new care model development on old infrastructure, on old support systems. They're as worn out as, as the care models. What we need to be thinking about as we spread, as we expand the reach and scope of our, our new designs, as Ted talked about, there's a new infrastructure that needs to be built to support them. The problem is that the infrastructure generally needs to lead the spread by a year or two, because it takes time to change out those 
those uh, support systems. So this whole idea of spread and scale is huge for leaders and they need to leverage knowledge and they need to change out the infrastructure and the support systems that um, are required in new care model development. The fifth is creating rhythm. You know, I, th I think that in, in, in my work around strategy execution, there's a pace or a cadence to um, execution and, 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 and deployment of, of strategy. It's, there's a discipline to it. Um, they need to, leaders need to align the organization. In execution and this work, there's a heartbeat to it. Um, and if we don't have that heartbeat within the organization, it'll, it'll, um, it'll run off the rails pretty quickly. The sixth is investing in measurement. Uh, you know, we, we don't generally have good measurement systems in healthcare. And there's measurement for operations and daily operations, but there's measurement for improvement and innovation. And we need to build the measurement systems um, both locally and longitudinally. We need to understand um, how patients experience things over time within our system and as they extend back outside the system. And the seventh is what I call getting better at getting better. I love what uh, Ted talks about building organizational muscle. And this is about building organizational capacity and capability to improve and innovate. We need to invest in the process and we need to invest in people. So those to me are the seven general themes that leaders need to focus on. And it's very encompassing and um, Again, if, if we don't understand the complexity of the leadership role, many times these things fail. Thanks, Pete. Adam, Pete talked about culture. He talked about some of the demands on the leaders and, and, and really how they need to think differently. And you've had experience with senior leaders at different healthcare systems across the country. What do you think are the biggest challenges that need to be overcome for new care model development to be successful? <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, <clears throat> I, mean, I think Pete lay, laid out seven great things and kind of the basis uh, for that was leadership. So I'm not going to cover base leadership. If, the, if there's not a strong leader in place, it's not going to happen, period. So let's assume that we have a strong leader in place. The two main things that I see over and over and over again are, are this. One, getting doctors to operate in the new model. A lot of doctors will um, push back, uh, threaten to leave, say they don't want the new care model. Um, they, they won't cooperate, whether they've been independent or acquired. Um, so that's, it's, been, it's been a struggle in poorly led organizations to get that to happen. A lot will think, well, I'm going to run that new care model at that clinic over there and not realize that it's, we need to spread it, as Pete said, across the entire organization. We're replacing the old with the new, not running them concurrently. Second thing, and uh, this not in any order, but the culture of risk aversion. Um, so there, I see that in multiple areas. I think finance and time are the two big ones. With any new service development, people want stuff now and they want it to be free. And when you have an organization that's based on operators, it, it's tough to it's tough to invest in something that's years down the road. Now we'll do it with capex, 
you know, if we're building a new hospital or we're building, we're acquiring some, you know, new piece of diagnostic imaging equipment, um, we, we've got the timeline and, uh, and the patients and the financial money to do that. And then the last on the risk aversion is, is in running experiments. Yeah, we want to keep the patient safe, number one. Do no harm, got it. Uh, but different care models, it's, it's amazing the pushback I see when there are other health systems actually in the same geographical area that are doing stuff that we want to try and, and we, we struggle to try it because the uh, culture of risk aversion. Boy, it sounds like uh, avoidance of change and, and resistance to that as well is kind of entrenched there. So, Pete, Adam laid out some interesting challenges between the docs, risk aversion, all of that. How do you recommend that leaders navigate these issues to be successful in new care model development? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I can relate to what Adam's talking about. And, um, you know, this is about co-creation and inviting people in to the conversation in my mind. And it's understanding and, and finding the pain. I think this we're finding that um, this is true at the community level as we innovate there or in health systems. You know, there has to be the pain. It has to be worth the effort for people. So big, big things for us are creating the invitation, inviting people in, having the conversation, identifying the pain and the opportunity, and then inviting them along on the journey. Um, this is absolutely critical. And then how do we, um, these are aspects of social change actually and in leading social change, but how do we then uh, capture passion in the heart of people? How do we create and build momentum over time? Um, so all of these things are, are absolutely critical um, to, uh, to success. Um, and if we're not, if we don't have people around the table in a safe environment where people feel free to um, be vulnerable, I think that, uh, that this won't be successful as well. So there's a lot of things that have to be in place in my mind for this to be successful, especially because when we're spreading over time, as Adam talked about, spreading across the organization, this takes time and holding this together um, over time is, is absolutely critical. And it's a role that leaders play, but so do other, others involved in the whole redesign process. Thanks, Pete. The thread that keeps weaving through what both of you are saying is very much the culture, right? If, if there's not the culture of transparency and respect and, and inclusion for the change, then, then it's really less likely to succeed. So, right. you know, Adam, you've got a unique perspective. Your pedigree is in mechanical engineering. As we all look at different places to learn, what are some of the top things health systems can learn from R&D groups in other industries? Well, so I had a soft transition from designing cars to diagnostic imaging equipment. So I got to get my feet wet um, in the deep physics of providing you know, internal images of our body and one of the things that, obviously, the first thing is people aren't cars. Um, we we don't stamp out widgets, and you know, I the both of the books I wrote on innovation, specifically for healthcare, 
pulled from what are the things that can be learned in the outside outside R&D industries that are applicable in healthcare. And then we ran multiple experiments one after the other. And I would say fundamentally, it boils down to one thing. And, and people outside of healthcare are guilty with this too. You can't have operators defining what tomorrow looks like. It's just too challenging for people to deliver what's required to be delivered today and what's required to, to not just survive tomorrow, but to grow tomorrow. And you can do improvements, yes, uh, but it's very, very tough to do innovation and you certainly can't have systemic innovation. So I think the base thing that we can learn from other industries is we have to have a core group of innovators, whether that's one people, five people, you know, Mayo and you know, UPMC and some of these other ones have dozens or hundreds of people. But we have to have people that are doing nothing but thinking about what does the future look like. And they're interacting, just like Pete said. We've got to bring everyone into the conversation because if we don't have the operators in the conversation, in this case, the physicians, the RNs, the STNAs, all of the, all, the MAs, everyone that's delivering healthcare, then we can't actually deliver a good model. So, yes, um, there are a, you know, ways for the innovation team to interact with the operations team so that we can work very well. That's a great summary. It's just, you, you got to have that separate, but it's definitely still a gang tackle using a football, you know, phraseology in this right. season. So gentlemen, do, do you have any final thoughts to share for our listeners? Let me start with Ted. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm excited about, about the, these concepts and this work. And I guess the only Thought, final thought I have is is uh, kind of a question for the audience is um, kind of we're, we're interested to learn more about where experiments like this are going on. I mean, we have our limited view from each of our perspectives, but um, I would love to continue to learn about examples of where people are developing new care models and continue to build this body of knowledge. So please uh, reach out and um, would love to talk about it. Great. That's a that's that's part of obviously what catalysis is all about, right? Share, learn, and connect, and and we learn from each other. That's best. So, you know, Pete, do you have any final thoughts you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, I do. You know, I I think this this takes courage. Um, this this takes courage because um, what we're doing is we're asking people who've invested in the current system to actually dismantle the current system and, and build, build something new, a better tomorrow. Um, Ted and I were recently on a conversation, in a, a call on a conversation with a very senior execu executive at a major insurance company. And um, it was interesting to see how much they paralleled what we're having to deal with and address within healthcare. But um, their CEO and, and leaders have really looked at, at their business and said, we're irrelevant in five to 10 years unless we radically rethink the business. And um, right now, what they're doing is they're, they're building a model cell, running a parallel track of an entirely di different business model while their current $40 billion a year business operates. And somewhere down the line, three to five years, those tracks are gonna to have to merge together. 
but the courage it takes to say, you know, we're making, we're very profitable, never been this profitable in our existence, but we know we're obsolete unless we really rethink and reimagine the business. That takes, that takes a lot of courage. Um, so in healthcare, I think um, probably the message in, in, is that um, we have to have the courage to look into the future and say, unless we change, unless we do something different, um, we could be obsolete. Um, so that would be my, my final message. Wow, that's powerful. And, and there's no question, we could do a whole series of podcasts just on the payers in healthcare. Right. I mean, that, that whole discussion has been going on for decades and will not stop in the near future. But that's a great point that it takes courage because of the risk avoidance that we tend to feel. And, and you got to be willing to give it a try. Adam, any final thoughts to leave with the listeners? There's a great quote I heard this week that is particularly relevant to this topic, that crisis is an accelerator. We are making massive cultural and generational shifts right now. Of course, uh, we've got a, an election that could change what's going to happen. Definitely will change no matter what happens. And uh, we, as, as leaders, need to understand, is our organization positioned in crisis to make these uh, matches to the shifts that we're seeing across our country as our states gain more individual power and as we as a health system have to be responsible for delivering the care to the patient so crisis is an accelerator it is and and you know we we have to all be nimble and and see the landscape so Thank you for joining us, Ted, Adam, Pete, and we at Catalysis, thank you all for listening. Thanks. Visit createvalue.org to find resources that help you lead in the constantly changing healthcare environment. All of us at Catalysis hope you stay healthy, and as always, thank you those working on the front line to keep us healthy. Stay tuned for more episodes designed to help healthcare leaders support their organizations on a journey to organizational excellence. Thank you for listening. Visit createvalue.org slash the lens to learn more about how catalysis can inspire you to accelerate change in your organization.